Hey there, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. This week's episode is probably one of the most fun interviews I've done to date. Full disclosure, I've admired my guest and fangirled over her from afar for a while now. I am beyond thrilled today to be interviewing Susan Borison. For those who may not be familiar with Susan, trust me when I say that after this interview, you will want to get to know her. Susan is the parent of five grown children and has decades of parenting experience and wisdom to share. And as if that isn't a huge accomplishment already, Susan is also the founder and editor of Your Teen Magazine. For 14 years, Your Teen has provided support and encouragement for parents of teens, including me. In addition to the magazine, Susan has launched a website, a YouTube channel, multiple courses for parents, and she co-hosts a fantastic podcast for parents of teens with her friend, Stephanie Silverman. Subscribe today. You're welcome. And on top of all that, her Working Hard to Raise Teens Facebook group is a highly engaged group of parents who are actually nice to each other on social media. Imagine that. Seriously, though, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Some of the best parenting advice I've received has come from parents who have been there, done that. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Susan Borison. Hi, Sue. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me, Betsy, my new best friend. I know. I know. So (laughs) I'm just going to fangirl for a little bit. I wasn't going to, but then I'm like, darn it. Yes, I am. So listeners, I'm a huge fan of Sue and Steph and the work they do on the Your Teen podcast, the Your Teen for Parents magazine, their website, their Facebook. They're everywhere. And before I even started a podcast and listened to podcasts, Yours was one of my, every time you had a new episode, I was like waiting for it to come out. I know I sound like I'm gushing like a fangirl, but I am. Bring it on. (laughs) Because it's true what you say, like it's a resource for parents of teens that I literally, I didn't even, I knew I needed something, but I didn't know what I needed. And then I found you guys and that was like the answer to what I needed because as a, you know, my, my son is. 17 now, I can't believe I'm saying that. But when even when we first embarked on the teenage years, it's like deer in the headlights. Like I thought parenting toddlers was hard. Parenting teens is just scary, painful, hard. It is. It's so true. And we don't realize it. I mean, really part of the main reason I founded Your Teen, which now we're going on like 14 years ago, was wow. because there was no resource that I could look to to give me what I was needing. And when my kids were little, I like I read cover to cover Parents Magazine. And some of the best advice was like a little snippet of a suggestion of something to do, and it would like change my whole day. And I thought, well, you know, this is not a cumulative skill set. I am no better as my kids hit adolescence than I was when I walked in the door with a newborn. What am I supposed to do? And I couldn't figure out, like, where do I go for that advice? And then the other thing is, like, none of my friends were talking about it. It felt very much like, well, they must all be doing it really well. And I'm just kind of like sitting here going, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, So like the ability to be vulnerable with your friends in the way you could when your kids were little just disappears. 
So, you know, we really set out to say, like, let's make this the playgroup for mostly moms who enjoyed that experience when their kids were little and can't find it now. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, a playgroup. Um, but let's go back a little bit. Sorry, sure. I kind of jumped ahead. But, um, but thank for you. My, <laughs> for my audience who who may not be familiar with you guys and or you and the work that you do. Um, do you want to talk? And I want to hear a little bit about your journey too, because you have a you have a little bit of a curvy path as well. It's not a straight line. So I'd love if you would share a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you you know, I want to tell from high school because you suggested that. And I thought this is such a funny story if you think about how we raise our kids today. So when I think about my high school, I think about coming home from school at like probably 2.30 and watching soap operas all the way through the rest of the afternoon every day. I babysat. Uh, that's all I remember pretty much. I mean, I did okay in school, so I probably did some work in there. But like, can you imagine our kids today, what we would be thinking about them if we lived that life? And all of my friends were doing the same thing. I mean, we would check in after General yeah. Hospital, after all my children, <laughs> whatever it was, we were checking in because we were all watching it. So it was simple, simple, simple. Not without, not, I mean, it, it was fraught with adolescent angst, but like the demands were internal, not external. Right. So then right. I went to college. College, you know, I applied to a few places. I wanted to go to one of them. I got into it. I didn't really consider that I wouldn't get into it, you know, so I'll just kind of like oddly easy and not because I was going anywhere fantastic, just because college was available in that way. Um, and, you know, I had fun. I studied some, I socialized more than I studied. Um, I majored in psychology with no real interest in like pursuing that beyond. I loved it in undergrad. Um, and then, you know, you get out of college and you're like, okay, well, let me see what job I could get. And you could just get a job. I got a job in advertising. Um, my husband was in medical school at the time. We weren't married then, but um, we both moved to New York where he went to medical school. I, I worked in advertising. And I mean, I'm just, the reason I'm telling all this is because you can see that there is no rhyme or reason to my life. Yep. <laughs> other than the choice of husband, which was a really good one. But I'm having lunch with two friends and they're both lawyers. And we're talking about something and they go, you should go to law school. And I came home and I said to my husband, you know, I think I'm going to go to law school. I mean, that was the thought that was given to going to law school. <laughs> so wait a second. Let's back up for a minute. <laughs> okay. So when you picked psychology, it was just because why not? No, I loved like, it. I loved oh, you did? It. I loved did it. Did you have I plans to yeah. be a psychologist? Yeah. No, I oh, loved it. I loved abnormal okay. psych. I loved everything about it. Okay. I spent a summer in a psych ward at a at a in person place, and um and that made me not want to do it. Okay, yeah, I was I not cut out for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a really interesting point because I talk about this a lot on the podcast. People are probably sick of me saying it, but our kids often pick majors and career paths because they it sounds cool or they had a class that was fun that they liked, but they don't know what the day to day is, right? So they don't know. Oh, I'm going to be in a cubicle all day or, oh, I have to work with numbers all day, you know, things like that. But like you were interested in psychology and you loved it. But once you spent time in the actual field, you were like, yeah, no. Well, I mean, I guess the difference is that the cost proposition was different to go to college. Um, and 
and the the architecture around it, like the idea that this was a conversation, maybe at preschool, for sure by high school, about your future, didn't exist for me. So I had the freedom to really pursue something academically just because I liked it, and then get a job because it paid the bills. Nothing that excited me, nothing that I planned to do long term, but I had no second plan until these friends said, you should go to law school. And I said, okay. And I applied to law school. My husband was applying to residency programs. And um, I applied to law school in each city that he had ranked. And we ended up in Cleveland. I went to Case Western. And I practiced law for a very short time. (laughs) What kind of law did you practice? Um, So I had my oldest kid in law school. And, um, And by the way, I don't know if this formula works for everybody, but I loved law school. And I think a lot of times people who love the the academic intellectual side of law school don't necessarily love the practicing of law as much. So I wrote appellate briefs for a few years, had my second kid, and then, um, I mean, really was so lucky to be able to make a choice to stay home. Mm-hmm. So I, I stayed home and I you know, spent the next many, many years volunteering and having more kids and filling like the, the career path with volunteering. And then my oldest kid entered high school and um, I just, first of all, I was yearning for something like your team and it, I couldn't find it. And second of all, I was thinking like, it's probably time to get out of their way a little bit. I had a little bit too much time on my hands to be in their space. Um, so I, you know, had this idea and just kind of like shopped it with people and said, would, you know, does this interest you? Would you be interested in it? And, um, and I, I think this all the time, like if you, are going to do something you have to tell somebody because it can be an idea for such a long time. But the minute I told my cousin, I knew I was doing it. I was like, like, I just said that out loud. I think that means I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Same with the podcast. As soon as I talked about it, I knew it was happening. Right. Um, Yeah. Oh, but that is a really, it's a cool story though, because I think it also proves that, you know, Every decision is not a permanent one. And I feel like there's so much pressure on our kids, whether it's self-inflicted or society or school, make sure you make the right decision. Well, they're going to have so many jobs in their lifetime and potentially switch careers that it's it's okay. And I tell my kids that, that all the time. I'm like, you just have to pick what's next. You don't have to pick what's forever. I do think our kids know that better than we do. But I think the pressure in high school kind of paints this picture of having to get it right. As we tell them, they can make mistakes. Um, you know, you can make mistakes, but make sure you get this decision get it right. right. And it, it, it's like, it's what does right mean, you know, and they get out of school, they get a job. And a year later, they're like, Oh, I've been there so long, I need to get a new job. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> a year is like, forever yeah. for them a lifetime. Yeah. So five kids, five kids. Yeah. And the, the youngest is 19. Right. Okay. So They've all been through high school, obviously, and some have been through college or are in college and out in the world. Did all your kids go to college? Yeah, I have four out of college and one in college. Okay. And let's go back to the high school years because I I say this a lot too. I have learned more lessons and gleaned more wisdom from the parents who have been there, done that. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the experts and I read the books and I listen to the podcasts, but sometimes the conversations I have with other moms just give you insight you wouldn't get otherwise. Well, truly, I think the best is a therapist or an expert who has gone through raising Mm. teens 
because mm-hmm. they can they can identify in a way that like oh yeah that I mean Julie Lithcott Haynes who you interviewed yeah. just told yeah. us about how she um, she was really an overparenter and yep. she had to really like own that and say okay I'm telling everyone else to stop this I got to stop it too yep. so that's comforting um, yeah so you know it it is a wisdom hard earned and none of the things that I share are things I knew when I was doing it. <laughs> Mm. It's retrospective. Were you an overparenter? Uh no, my kids would never say that. <laughs> I I was really good. You know, 5 is a lot of noise. I could really tune it out. There was like the cry that broke through the noise, like you could tell when it was urgent, but a lot of it I was just able to be like, uh, you know, if you need me, um <laughs> I'll be somewhere else kind of thing. And um I guess, you know, a little benign neglect, not, not total, but a little bit of that benign neglect, just because there was constantly someone fighting with somebody and some crisis going on. And, and by the time I would get to it, it it would be resolved. And I thought, well, that's a really good system. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So my oldest daughter, she was in high school and she would come down every morning. I'd hear the steps where our bedroom was on the first floor. The kids were upstairs. I'd hear her coming down the stairs and I would get this pit in my stomach because I knew she would walk in and say, you know, how do I look? That was the morning mm-hmm. question before she left to go to high school. And I knew that I was being set up every day because it never went well. And, and so <laughs> one day, I think a friend told me to do this. She said, why don't you just get in the shower when you hear it coming down the steps? <laughs> That's genius. It changed my day. <laughs> Do you think she noticed? Did you think she was like, wow, that's weird. Mom's in the shower again? Nope. Nope. She didn't nope. notice. And her day continued the same way without that negative exchange with me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So your first tip is avoid them at all costs first thing in the morning, even if you have to go into the shower. <laughs> well, I would say avoid them if there's a pattern that you know you're being set yeah. up, which I mean, we all know. We know when that kid comes in and they tell you something and you know it's going to happen over and over and over again. You get the pit in your stomach. Just yeah. don't be available. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. So how would your kids describe you? Oh, you know. And I'm sure differently, right? But yeah, well, they would say that I didn't parent my youngest, but I think I was the best parent with the youngest. Not, and you know, not the best. That's not the right way to say it. But like, we just, my husband and I both, we just didn't sweat over the stuff that we learned wasn't important. Like, you know, I feel a little badly for that first one where I corrected every mistake when she was learning to speak. And if she mispronounced a name, I needed her to say it the right way. And, you know, some of those nicknames stick and are really cute, but not me. Not for this kid. She was going to say it right and pronounce it clearly. And and by the fifth, it was like, oh, that's really cute. What did he just say? <laughs> because it's not that important. There's a lot of other things to worry about. And and that like kind of like goal of perfection, it's it's just gone. It's so completely gone. And that's so liberating. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't learn that until you go through it, right? Because you don't know any better, right? You don't know differently. You don't know what works, what doesn't work. And every child is different. So what worked for our first didn't work for our second. But you, I sweated so much the first time around that, you know, they say don't sweat the small stuff. I sweated stuff of every size, shape, and color because I just didn't know any better. Well, I mean, I, a little bit, and this may be an unattainable goal, but we kind of used to say in the beginning of your teen, 
our goal is to help parents not have a first kid so that, Mm. and I think Mm. that's true about some things. Like I think that we, when our kids hit the terrible twos, it has a name, it has a history. Nobody is like, what's going on with my child? More typically you go, oh man, I guess my kid is a terrible too, right? Like we kind of, Mm -hmm. we have a way of anticipating that. And even maybe considering beforehand, how do I want to deal with that? Like I'm seeing my friend down the street do it and I don't like that way, but I don't know what I'm going to be, but you have anticipation. So the thing about adolescence is nobody really talks about some of the really, really difficult things that it go, that we go through as parents. Like for example, you know, a fifth or sixth grade girl who comes home and tells you that all of her friends had lunch together and there wasn't an extra seat. And it's the fifth day in a row for that. And that is very hard as a mother in particular to not like go back to being in middle school with those same raw emotions and reacting as if it is catastrophic and has never happened to anybody else. When it turns Mm -hmm. out it happens every year, it happens to most kids. It shapes our lives going forward. Like we revert to that all the time, that feeling of being left out. And so, you know, if we could, if we could know it in advance, our reaction could be so much healthier for our kids instead of this, like, they did what? And then what happened? You know, it's like, there's just this whole story that most of us do because we don't, we don't have any anticipation beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. It's also new. And it's, it's just a different way of parenting. Like I, I didn't realize that parenting teens would be so, I don't want to say unpredictable. That's not the right word, but it's even stuff you think about and worry about and care about. There's still more. There's things that you could never, I say, you can't make this stuff up. So let's talk about high school because this is the high school hamster wheel podcast, but you know, the way you parented your teens as far as high school and all the things, right? The tests and the GPAs and the college apps and all that. What kind of advice do you have for parents about that kind of stuff? If they're going through this with their teens right now and struggling with their kids are probably feeling, especially now with COVID, right? All the stress and pressure and anxiety about everything going on. Any any advice on how to help them through that? So I want to first add the caveat that if your kid has any kind of diagnosis, all, all of this is off the table because, you know, I can't mm-hmm. give any advice um, mm-hmm. in that department. But what I can say is that I, for whatever reason, decided that getting your license was a grown up thing. And so I just said to my oldest kid, this is yours to deal with. And so she booked the appointment to get, you know, that to take the first test. She, she literally booked every part of it. And I liked that. So I just made that our house rule. And, um, and when I would tell people I did it, they would be like, well, that's because your kids did it. And there was a lot of truth to that, right? Like there was a lot of truth that I had kid after kid who took it on and did it themselves. But I had one kid who didn't. And, um, and I said, okay, well, this is my test do I rescue this kid? Or is this, you know, how I believe we should parent? And again, I'm going to say this is not an extreme story in any way. People have extreme stories all the time. And I, my heart goes out to you, and you should get professional help. But in my house, I had to make the decision for this kid who wasn't following in the path of the siblings. 
And I said, you know what? I really believe it. I really believe like there's nothing more serious than driving a car. And if you can't pick up the phone or get, you know, go online, whatever way things you need to do to get the appointment and to sign up for driver's ed, you're probably not ready. And so I let that kid wait. And it turns out that kid got their license on the day they could, the day they were Mm -hmm. legally allowed to get it. It was just not quite at the pace that the other kids did. And college was the same way. Same kid, you know, clearly was going to miss all the deadlines, clearly was going to take a gap year and went to college at the right after graduation, just like a little less in step with the other kids. So, you know, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I do know. I told this kid, you know, if you're not ready to go, don't go. Like it's a whole lot of money to go to college and not be ready for it. And some of these things that uh, I would have considered helping with are going to get, they're going to have to do it anyway in college. So if they can't do it like a year before, why not give them a year? Why not give them the time they need to make the, uh, to to build themselves and have the skill set to be able to get the most out of college? Yeah, because I'm struggling. And I know a lot of other people are watching their kids. You know, my my oldest is a high school junior, and he doesn't have a whole lot of motivation to do the college tours online or offline, invest, you know, the research, investigating all that stuff. And I just feel like I'm not going to do it for him. But you're right, it's got to be on them. Because if they don't, they're not going next year. I just wish there was a way to light a fire and get them excited about it. But I guess that's part of the journey. You know, the emotions that go along with making the decision to not help is a whole other story, right? Like you say, well, I'm not going to help him get in. But then at night, you're lying in bed going, this kid might not go to college. What am I going to do if this doesn't, this kid doesn't go to college? Like there's this whole other story that comes around the decisions we make that Mm. are fraught, like they're really, really hard. So you can stick to your guns and you can know you're doing the right thing, but it doesn't mean you're not tortured through the whole way. And, yeah. you know, I, I I think the people that aren't tortured are just so lucky. <laughs> They're so lucky. Agreed. I wonder why. Are they just busy? Are they just, do they really just, they're not worried about not that they're not worried about their kids. We all worried about our kids, but maybe they can just put it aside and say, it'll, it'll work out eventually. I mean, I think a lot of it, if college isn't the end all be all to your family mm. and you're not pretending that you don't care, then mm. it's fine. I mean, so many right. kids are going to figure out that there's another path for them, especially now. Right. But right. like, what do you tell your friends when they say, oh, where's your kid going to school next year? And you're like, uh, th- they're not going to go to college. You know, I mean, yeah, that's right. hard. Yeah. Well, which is why I've stopped asking that question. It's what are his plans after mm-hmm. high school or what yeah. are her plans? Um, because I think, and it does, it does make sense because so many kids are taking alternate paths and we should be celebrating that. You know, when a, when a parent asks that question, people shouldn't look, you know, have shock in their eyes when they see an exam, an answer that says, you know, not going to college or I don't know yet. But don't you think post COVID that's all changing? Because I mean, we mm-hmm. threw away a year of tuition. Yeah. Right. Like yep. what was happening this year at colleges? It was not the experience we all thought we were paying for. So, nope. you know, if my kid said, you know, if we go virtual next year, I'm staying home, I'd be like, fine, or get an apartment or whatever you want to do. But right. why why throw away the tuition on an experience that is not as valuable? Yeah, agreed. 
Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. So let's talk about the podcast. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you some hard questions. Ooh. It might be hard to answer. So do you have a favorite interview that you've done? Or one of your favorites? And and why? I mean, I, we are just so lucky. We have really had extraordinary people as guests. Mm-hmm. And so it is it's it's not even like oh i wouldn't ever say that i had a favorite it's that we i don't mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. literally so many people that have come on that have blown us away like very few where we've been like how are we going to make that one work mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean people who come on with stories move us people who come on with advice that changes our lives move us really lucky there's some really wonderful people out there yeah i agree and you cover so many different topics i mean parenting 360 really it's every situation every question every topic what have been the hard things to talk about do do you have topics that you really feel like touched you deeply when i say hard i just mean emotionally hard or i mean sometimes i i feel myself getting teary when someone's mm-hmm. talking and it's mostly when someone presents a different perspective on parenting that I wish I had known when my kids were younger, that I felt like, mm. wow, I think I could have done that had I known it. And I think it would have been better. So that's really hard to hear. Cause it's like, which by the way, I would say that we're never done with our relationships. So like, I feel that way. And then I realized, well, I could do it now. Right. Like it's not, it's not all lost. Mm. Um, and even, you know, I listen to, I end up reading books and listening to things that are related to raising teenagers. And my youngest is 19. So I'm not the demographic anymore, but it doesn't matter because, you know, it it works for my marriage, for my friendships, for my kids' relationships as young adults. Like, it's all valuable to hear that there are better ways to do things. What would you do differently? Is there anything that sticks out to you that if you could go back and parent your teenagers again, what would you do differently? Um, I think I just have a lot more compassion now. I think I feel like it's so hard to grow up. I mean, there are so many assumptions that we make. Last night on our one of our um, series for Destination College, we had Julie Lithcott-Hames and Wendy Mogul on last night. And um, and what was my point? Because I got caught up in saying their names because they're so fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess w- the, what I feel like is um, I would, I think I would be less caught up in the day-to-day exchanges that bristled me, like say it differently, do it differently, like nagging about shoes and other things. And I think I would try to understand you must have had a hard day. Mm. Right. And I can do that now as my, that my kids are older. I work really hard at doing that, but I didn't have it. I mean, you know what it's like when your kids are little, you're literally trying to survive. So there isn't a whole lot of that stepping back and saying, this is not all about me. But at the time, I think like I took, I I mean, that's one of the things I would put out there. Like, don't make it about yourself. And I mean that in a self-serving way, not in a um, like, 
oh, don't make this about yourself. I mean, like mm-hmm. when your kid swears at you, it's not about you. You know, when your kid gets mm-hmm. a bad grade, it's not about you. When your kid gets rejected by their friends, don't like catastrophize the whole thing and think like, you know, they're just not a good person. They're not a good friend. I didn't do enough, blah, blah, blah. These are all just ways that our kids grow up. That's, there's no way to expect a two-year-old to know how to, let's say, you know, what's what's the next stage that a kid does? Like they don't know how to ride a bike at two. And so we understand that we put that kid on the bike, we put them with training wheels, then we take the training wheels off and we hold the bike while we run with them like crazy. And then one day we let go. So there's a series of things that we understand when they're little is a way to teach them. So one of the things I was just going to say and lost was that last night, one of the questions was, um, what are the things that surprised you when you found out your kid couldn't do it? And so, you know, how, when you're, I mean, I don't know if you've had this, but like I had a kid who didn't know you had to cash checks. And so Mm. when, when that kid was like cleaning up his room for college, he comes down with like a stack of checks and he's like, so what do I do with these? And I like throw them away. He's like, well, I mean, how do I get the money? I'm like, yeah, not. <laughs> and like Julie Lithgott Hames said, her, she had the same thing in her house. And other people just said such good things about how their kid didn't know how to, you know, do an envelope, to address an envelope or put gas in the car. I mean, your kid mm-hmm. learns to drive. That's a step you have to teach them. Yep. How do you put gas in the car? And why would they know it? But yeah. it's like, sometimes you feel like, where did this kid come from that they could spend all this time in the car and not know that's how you put car- gas in the car? Yeah, it's true. We we make these assumptions that they know things that they don't know. And you're right. How would you know how to put gas in the car? It's not on the driving test. It's not on the written test. It's not on the practical test. In fact, I got a call from the gas station <laughs> shortly after my son got his license and had to drive down there and help him. <laughs> So I can relate to that example. But then, you know, your other kid might be like paying attention to everything. And so like my youngest kid got in the car and knew how to get everywhere. He Mm. just had this attentiveness and that sixth Mm -hmm. sense about Mm -hmm. directions. And then, you know, I I would have a kid who'd say, how do I get around the corner? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with five, there's a lot of different scenarios I'm sure you encountered. Um, Not that we don't with two, but. There's a lot of different points of view, a lot of different temperaments, a lot of different experiences. Um, What do you think is your proudest parenting moment? Oh, God, I could tell you my least proud. (laughs) Okay. All right. I didn't want to ask that, but okay. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, I'll tell you the one that I have and I'll tell you the one my kids have because it's so funny. (laughs) So um, recently, my, my one of my kids was telling me, like, I think I traumatized my kids. We were literally down the street, but in their mind, when they were younger, we were far and the kids wouldn't stop fighting in the car. And one kid in particular just wouldn't stop. And I pulled over and I said, walk home. And I don't remember how old she was. She wasn't three. I'm going to tell you that she was not three. And it was literally down the street. But the other kid was telling it like, what an awful parent I was. (laughs) And I'm sure they need therapy over this. Like this, they are scarred by that moment. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but I would do it again. Like it wasn't safe. I'm not going to drive while everyone's being crazy and it wouldn't stop. So you had to walk 10 feet, but in their minds, like I was two miles away and that kid walked home alone unsupervised. (laughs) So that one um, is their take, which I always think is so interesting because we don't, as kids, 
and as parents, it doesn't match often. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that you think is this pivotal moment in their lives is not the thing that they think is the pivotal moment in their lives. Um, And I'll share the worst because I've written about it. But um, one of my kids informed me that she would be taking the car um, and it was after curfew and it was not a question which I felt very entitled to, could I? Um, and eventually we actually wrestled to the ground. I, we, I mean, we were both, we both had bruises. So it's very funny to say it kind of horrific that we did it. (laughs) (laughs) So did you get the quick keys from her or did she escape with the keys? No, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think we all have, I mean, I can think of lots of moments I'm not proud of, but it's a journey. It's all such a journey. And you do the best that you can in the moment, right? Like there's no, there's nobody judging you or scoring you or advising you. You just, you react sometimes. Also, I have five kids. This was number four. I'd never, ever had, like my kids didn't tell me things. I knew there were secrets that were going on, but this was like bold in my face defiant. And this was like, you know, I mean, I guess, wow, three kids were smart enough to defy me without letting me know. But this one was like dangling in front of me going, I'm, I'm not listening to you. I don't care what you say, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. just, it just brought up like every bit of me was like, you know, smoking and, you yeah. know, anyway, so thank God for, th- for good therapists. <laughs> <laughs> and now that four out of five are out of college, How's your relationship with your kids? Do you feel like it's stronger than when they were teens or do you feel that they're more distant? Um, So COVID has changed that. They've been home a Mm -hmm. lot. So Mm -hmm. we've had um, some really like bumpy rides and then some really glorious rides. And I think we all got to know each other differently because it's hard to know each other as adults when you don't live in the same place. So we had a crash course in that thanks to COVID. Um, But I wouldn't say closer or not closer than when they were in the house. What I would say is that you are once again at that moment, redefining your relationship with your kids. And it's just really hard. It's hard to get it right. It's hard to, I mean, I think we could move from your teen to your young adult so easily and just talk about what should that relationship look like? And, you know, I, I, I was telling my therapist about a COVID moment that was so hard for me. And she was like, you just care too much. And I was like, whoa, it's true. <laughs> it's really true. Like, you know, you stop, I think some of the things, some of the armor that I like put on during high school, I felt like it was my right to, you know, like shed it mm. because they were done and, and it was healthy armor and you got to put it back on or keep it on. So what are your thoughts about that? Would you, would you sort of evolve into a, your young adult? I mean, is that I used to joke, I used to joke that the the magazine would be like one page and one paragraph and maybe one word and it would say, really? Wow, that's interesting. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, truthfully, those are really good tools to have to be able to say that to your adult kids. But the the internal, like the strife inside of us, we do have to work through. Well, I think it's a an incredible resource for parents. Again, both the magazine, although the magazine's not in print anymore, right? The baby was put to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Me too. Heartbreaking. 
all the sharing you do online and the podcast. I, I love the podcast format. I love that it's you and Steph, just, just two friends kind of talking through things. I laugh, I cry. Like I love that part of the podcast and then you go into whoever your guest is, but I just love that format. I think it works really well. It makes you guys super relatable. Like I knew we'd be friends before we talked. I think I thought we were friends. You just didn't know me, but you know, we were friends. Yeah, but now I know you and we are friends. That was crazy. It was like a really long first date. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I was really stalking you for a while before it happened. Um, But yeah, so any other... I first, I want to do any other because I want to say one thing. I feel like um, there's this constant conversation about being on the same page as your spouse. And Mm. I've almost never met anybody that is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I want to take that myth. I mean, in my house, we have Disney dad, and we have mom who has the rules and, and follows through with them. And that is a very common story as you shake yeah. your head. And yep. so if that's true, then where is the alignment in the parenting? And I had to at some point mm-hmm. say that my kids have laughter, and a little irreverence, and some really wonderful characteristics in life because of my husband. And they would be so rigid and rule following if they only had the me's of the world. So why wouldn't we just say that this is healthy for our kids? This notion of like, I mean, Dan never did anything that I asked. Like never. I'd say, could the, you know, I'm going out tonight. Could could you have the kids in bed by nine? And he was like, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm in bed. And then they never would have, have like a party. Literally have a party. They'd go out for ice cream, come home and have potato chips and watch a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Same here. Well, I don't know about that, but. No, that's an exaggeration. No, I know. Although I could see it happening um, here, but yeah, same here. I mean, I, I, I love that because I really need to appreciate my husband is the youngest of nine grew up on, well, started out on a farm in Wisconsin. And I always joke that, you know, his parents weren't strict with him because there were so many, they ran out of time and they just never knew where he was or what he did. And our parenting styles are so different, but thank goodness they are because two of me, my kids' heads would explode. I know that. So, and two of him would create completely irresponsible people. So chaos, like chaos, right? So <laughs> what, like what, if you get to parent with a partner, it's a blessing. Like you should say, thankfully, and that's a hard headspace to get to. Like there were many years I did not appreciate Dan being the fun one. Like who wants to pick the not fun one? (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. All right. So Destination College, I want to talk about that because I'm in it. And for parents who don't know about it, it's a fantastic resource. Now, quick question on that. Once the eight weeks is over, will there be recordings that people can can sign up for? How does that work? Yeah. I mean, every week you should be receiving, hopefully you're receiving um, notification Mm -hmm. that two days later it goes up live on the hosted website and you have access to it forever. So it's it's live on a Tuesday night and you have it by Thursday at the end of the day um, with all the resources that go along with it. So it's an eight-week program. It's called Destination College. And um, it's been extraordinary. We've had, we're halfway through. And each session has brought, you know, just such, I mean, we planned to cover the whole admissions process. So each night is very intentionally something different. But the people that are the experts, I mean, you know, it's like, we pinch ourselves. They're just yeah. so good. Um, and and it happened 
really by like saying we want we want diversity we want diversity of opinion we want really just to see this event as something that looks different than what we've done in the past and um and we really did it and it's just i don't know it's i, I can't even believe it it so has exceeded what we set out to do um and if you sign up now, you get the four weeks beforehand and you get live the, the four weeks coming up. We also have three bonus sessions, one about gap year, one about FAFSA, filling out the form. And one is real parents just telling their stories. Because as you said, Betsy, some of the best information we get is from people who've gone through it. So these people have literally just gone through it. Um, and they're going to talk about the hurdles of COVID and, uh, you know, and then whatever questions parents have. So it's been great. You can That's sign awesome. up. Maybe we yeah. can put, can we put a link in the show notes? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll do that. And I'm going to get this aired soon. So it's not over by the time it airs. Great. Did we have a code for you when you did yeah. it last time? Okay. So yep. what was the discount code? Hamster? It wasn't. Was it yeah, hamster? hamster. Yeah, yep, it was. Yep. The code is hamster. And I will put the link in the show notes. But the URL is, is it yourteen.com? Oh, I'll look it up. We, you know, we wanted a tiny URL, but we didn't get one. <laughs> I know. So it, it's a bit of a mouthful. It is ytmparentingcourses.com backslash college dash summit. So not an easy one to remember, but we'll get yeah, it. We'll definitely put it in the show notes <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to share or anywhere else you want people to find and follow you? Oh, yeah. So if you go to our website, your, yourteenmag.com. And you go into About Us. That first page has everywhere you can find us on social media. We have a parenting group called Working Hard to Raise Teens on Facebook. It's a very, very kind parenting group. I mean, people put out their really challenging situations and get tremendous support from the other people in the group. It's really, um, it's heartwarming because Facebook isn't typically known for this kind of kindness but we see it every day. It's really amazing. Um, so that's working hard to raise teens. If you're looking for a group, um, we we're on YouTube. We have mini courses on almost every topic. Um, when you sign up for the, the uh, destination college, you'll see all the other courses that we have on that site um, and a podcast, as you mentioned, a weekly newsletter. So there are lots and lots of ways to get at the information that we're putting out there. Um, and, and over the years, even when we look at old articles and share them again, we just feel like that was really solid advice. We have some tremendous experts giving really life-changing advice over and over again. I would agree. Such a great resource. Thank you for all the work that you do. And thanks for being becoming my friend and spending time with me today. This has been so enjoyable. I learn from you every time I talk to you. And thanks for being here. Oh, my God. Thanks so much for having me. I could talk to you, Betsy, for hours. Like we I definitely know. know each other from another life. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> well, that was a ton of fun. I always learn so much from Susan, and I'm grateful that she joined me here on the podcast today. There's something about connecting with like-minded parents that really makes this journey so much more enjoyable. One of my favorite things about our conversation was Susan's honesty and openness about her experiences raising teens. As parents, we all know that some days we are the best parent ever, and other days, well, let's just say we aren't going to win any awards. 
But no matter what kind of parenting day we're having, we continue to live and learn and do better next time. Be sure to check out the Destination College Summit. Even if you missed the live sessions, the replays are fantastic. Take it from someone who's watched them. And be sure to listen and subscribe to the Your Teen for Parents podcast. Trust me when I say you will laugh and cry and learn in just about every episode. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found at highschoolhamsterwheel.com slash 77. Also, I'd love it if you would connect with me and my co-host Jay Dusold in our Life After 12th Facebook group. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.